Okay, so now let's, let's go back, let's gather in, let's turn to Roman chapter 13, and we're going to talk about something that's in our streets and in our hearts. Now, I stayed up several times this week, late into the night. I was watching the protests unfold in Portland and other cities. I was stunned by what was happening night after night. Now, how would you have wanted that to happen as you were seeing those things play out? We'd want for people to be able to express their point. It's a point that needs to be heard, it needs to be understood, and yet not expressed in a way that trampled on the rights and the opportunities of others, the property and even the person of innocent people around them. People are rioting to insist that we care about other people while they are not caring about other people. It's more than a little ironic. But there's something else that I saw in these protests, in the contrast between peaceful and respectful, in which some, there, there was some listening going on, there was even dialogue occurring, and then at other times it was anger-fueled, rebellious rioting and looting. And I thought at one point, well, which of those do I look like? Sometimes one, maybe sometimes the other. Maybe outwardly, you know, Bob, Bob's pretty calm and collected. I haven't really seen him lose it. And yet, what's going on on the inside? Maybe on the inside, there's a little more rebellion or anger going on. You see, I've had my own views about this pandemic shutdown and how it has impacted private businesses and especially churches. How it has left many people isolated in unhealthy ways. We... We at times have felt that these restrictions have been somewhat arbitrary, perhaps infringing on the freedom that we have been given to assemble together and practice our faith and worship. In my heart at times, maybe I've been smashing government windows, or at least spray-painting Bible verses on the walls of government buildings. A great testimony, right? Well, watching the protest movement and the rebelling against the government for its failings, it has reminded me that that we as Christians are called to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. I don't like it when government does things that are contrary to my interests, to my desires, or even my convictions concerning what is right. But it doesn't go well for any of us when sinful humans each do what is right in our own eyes. Fallen humanity needs, requires, a bigger context where we are controlled by more than merely what I want for me and those who are mine. In our Bible passage today, Romans chapter 13, the three paragraphs are going to fit together in this way. I want to give you this outline right up front. Submit to governing authorities out of love for others as subject of God's kingdom. We seek to fulfill government requirements to a higher measure of love for our neighbors, for others, for our community, and because we have a higher allegiance to God's kingdom. Now, with that outline in mind, submit to government authorities out of love for others as subject of God's kingdom. I want to turn to Tyler and Sarah Stout, who are going to read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 14. Good morning, Brush Prairie family. I'm Tyler Stout. And I'm Sarah Stout. And today we'll be reading to you from Romans 13, 1 through 14. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God. Attending to this very thing, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. All right, that's it. See you later. See you later. So verse one begins, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Verse one makes clear that we need to submit to governing authorities because we need to submit to authority, ultimately to God. First John four says, if you can't love people, the people that are around you, then you cannot love God whom you cannot see. If we cannot submit to some people or authority that we can see, then we probably also have difficulty submitting to God who we can't see. We as sinful fallen humanity need to submit to authorities, ultimately to God. And verse 1 also, Paul is especially guarding Christians against the mindset that since we are now citizens of God's kingdom, we are no longer subject to the present kingdoms of mere men, right? Well, we can't be ambassadors to the present world if we plant our flag in rebellion against it. You see, as Paul writes this letter to Jewish and non-Jewish Christians who are in Rome, the memory is still fresh of Jewish people being expelled from Rome for several years for a riot that was apparently related to Christ. It seems that as the Christian gospel of Jesus as the Christ was being spread, there were some Jewish people who did not believe it who were rioting against it, kind of like they did in Jerusalem. And in Rome, that got all the Jews expelled from Rome. And Paul doesn't want the new and young church to be caught up in some acts which seem to Rome as rebelling against them. It would interfere with our ability to share the gospel. In verse 2, I want to notice that, that our submission 
is to what God has ordained. This passage is not a call to submit to any one person or any particular level of authority, but to submit to the structure of government as it's constituted. The chapter is not about a specific form of government, nor is God endorsing a particular government, for instance, the Nazis in history in Germany, or a particular leader, whether it's Emperor Nero or Governor Inslee or President Trump. The issue here is authority of a constituted government in general. Rather than the specific authority of a person in a position, this is not to say that, that I don't have to submit to a certain person in a position but rather it allows for the kinds of appeals that a system of government allows and that which Paul himself at times did utilize. In verses 3 to 5, it says, Rulers are not a terror to conduct good conduct, but to bad. Sorry, rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to that which is bad or evil. Government is God's servant for good. The governing order and submission to it is given by God as necessary for society in order to restrain evil and to cultivate good. Because the weeds of sin have entered God's garden of humanity. As humans were created in God's image, we are created to be regents over God's creation, to exercise dominion for Him over all that He has made. So also, government is ordained as God's servant to promote and restrain evil among fallen humanity, to exercise dominion for God over his creation. This is not a declaration that whatever government does is good. Some governments, in fact, are very evil. But it is a reason that government should strive to be good. See, government should support good. But it does not itself determine good. That good comes from God. For instance, to assume the police are always right is to endorse a police state. To assume that government grants and determines what human rights should be is to put government in the place of God who made us. Government itself is also accountable as God's servant. When those in government do not perceive an accountability to God, as was the case in, let's say, for instance, Daniel chapter 4, then those in government serve themselves and it doesn't go well for anybody. This submission that's described in the first five verses is specifically applied to paying your taxes. Now, this does not mean that paying taxes is simply one idea Paul thinks of to apply the principle of submission. I think paying of taxes was actually the point. At this time, in AD 57-58, when this letter was written, there was actually a revolt brewing in Rome over a very corrupt and oppressive and unjust tax system. And Christians could easily be caught up in this. And again, Paul does not want those matters of society to distract the church or for the church to be caught up in it and be, end up being the scapegoat and it going contrary to our testimony of the gospel. So, this issue in Rome, Paul's writing to an oppressive and unjust tax system. He urges Christians to be faithful participants in the midst of society. Now, understanding that moment in history, that tax revolt, helps us to understand that this passage is not a blank check concerning government in any and all matters. That it's not a blank check that we have to go along with government even when there's excess, when there's corruption, when there's oppression. The text says, pay what is owed, not whatever the corrupt tax collector in that day might have demanded on the spot. 
I've been in places in travels at times where there's corruption in the country, there's corruption in the police department, and, and uh, there would be a roadblock, and they would search for something that they might find against you, and even make up something that they could, they could issue you a fine on the spot. And quite, quite often, that fine would never make its way back into the government system. It would remain in the pocket of the policeman who had stopped you. That kind of corruption does not engender people wanting to, to be supportive and submissive to the government and its officials. Government corruption should be guarded against, exposed, not submitted to. On the other hand, you don't like how your taxes are used, maybe, but pay them anyway. Support order in society anyway. That's what Jesus did. Remember he said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar and give to God that which is God's. The coins had Caesar's image, give those to him. You and I have God's image stamped upon us. We give ourselves, we devote ourselves to God. And so, as God's agents, we submit to government out of love for our neighbors. Not out of fear or helplessness. Verse 8 says, Don't continue owing anyone anything except the ongoing debt of love for one another. That love your neighbor as yourself, that love fulfills the law. If government is needed for the good of society and humanity, then we love our neighbor by submitting to government and also by helping the government to be good. So yes, we, we vote, we get engaged, but please, without looting and rioting. Applying this in a COVID era may mean applying a mask to your face. I don't like the idea of wearing a mask. And frankly, I'm a little suspicious when someone trots out the line, the science says, because unfortunately, the science seems to keep changing along the way. And too much science ends up often being agenda-driven. Still, my neighbor believes that my wearing a mask means I'm trying to help protect him from getting the virus if I could be carrying it and just not know it. Am I willing to do that? If that's what it means to him? If that's an expression to him of love, then that's what I'm going to be willing to do. Love in our hearts for others needs to get out on the street. It needs to be seen in our face, even if that means wearing a mask. Applying this in a Black Lives Matter era could mean listening to and understanding that someone else's experience and how fair or just society is can be very different from my own experience, or even the facts as I have read them. And it extends love to them to listen, to understand, for them to be heard, for me to have empathy for a different point of view and perhaps a different experience. We submit to government out of love for our neighbors as subjects of and ambassadors for God's kingdom. Verse 11 says, And this do, submitting in love, because you know the time, that the hour has come to wake up, salvation is near, the night is far gone, cast off the works of darkness then, let us walk properly as in the day, although we're not quite in the day yet. It's close. We submit in love, in the midst of a still-present, imperfect age, because we trust ourselves to the perfect authority which is coming. It's near, and so we already put off the norms of the night, and we begin living toward that coming day. 
We submit to a lesser and imperfect authority because Jesus asks us to do so for his name's sake. Jesus paid the temple tax to corrupt and heretical Sanhedrin priests for himself and for Peter in order to not give an offense, not give them a reason that they could use for not believing him. Submit not because you are of this world and no longer, but because God, whose kingdom you are now ambassador of, asks you to submit. Submitting where we can is following Jesus. Now, because we have a higher authority in God's kingdom compared to the kingdom of this world, there are some qualifications. There are limits to submitting. There are times when we must obey God rather than man. For instance, Daniel chapter 1 shows how sometimes government may simply be unaware. There may be a decree or requirement that needs to seek out an alternative. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel chapter 3 is an illustration that sometimes government is on a power trip. Sometimes government is taking authority that God has not given, putting themselves sometimes even in the place of God. And there are the times when we must obey God instead. In that case, Daniel's friends, when they're told to worship the king as if he's God and the only God and to bow down to his image, they don't make a scene. They simply don't bow in worship as they were told to do. Now, they could have bowed outwardly and just not bowed inwardly, you might say. But worship is to be sincere. It's to be in truth. And so they did not. And they were willing to pay the consequences of not submitting to that decree. Daniel chapter 6 gives us an example when sometimes within government, their things are being manipulated by scheming politicians who are willing to harm others in order to advance themselves and their own self-serving interests. Government is not perfect. Government is not God. And yet we are to submit to government as we submit to God, except when the government is directing us contrary. There was a decree in Daniel chapter 6 that says nobody prays to anybody except to the king for 30 days. And Daniel, hearing the decree, went back to his, his own quarters. And with the windows open, just as he always did, he prayed toward Jerusalem. And they were there to catch him because they knew that they could count on Daniel to do what was right. And they eagerly wanted to get Daniel out of the way. And so they used Daniel's integrity against him. And sometimes that'll happen. Do what's right and trust God. There are going to be times that, like Peter and John, we're going to have to give the answer of Acts chapter 5 and, and, and Acts chapter 4. We must obey God rather than men. But if it comes to that, be sure that it is based on what God has said and not what you or I might be thinking, our own opinion. So let's apply something to the government in a couple of directions. First of all, with restrictions concerning churches meeting for worship. That's been on my mind, and as I've been in the Word this week in this chapter, I've had to modify where I was coming from. I was willing to bend the rules or just ignore some of them just because I thought they don't have the right to tell me that. And yet, in love, I need to submit. There's a tension between freedom of faith versus submission for the greater good. And whether we agree on the merits of something or not, we submit unless it violates what God has said. Government does have a responsibility to protect the public health. It is right that we submit to their efforts. 
Whether we agree with each point individually is not the point. We can live out our mission to go to people around us because we join in the efforts of people around us in fighting this virus. We're right there in it with them. We're willing to yield our right temporarily to assemble and worship for the safety of others in a viral pandemic. That is not only prudent, but it is an expression of love. Love for neighbors, love for our community. Not wanting to be as a, a place in which the virus could spread to scores of people because we gather together. As we begin gathering again then, we're going to demonstrate love for one another. We are going to heed, heed the, the, the restrictions and the limits of how many people should gather in a place. We're going to, we're going to practice those restrictions of please, please wearing a mask. Outside is safer than indoors, and the weather permits, we're going to gather outside instead. We're going to follow these precautions because we want people around us to know that their safety, their well-being matters to us. We want to go to people around us and bring them into God's family. We want that family to be a family that doesn't just care about ourselves. It cares about others. We don't expect that government will always be favorable to our desire to worship. Let's just, let's just be, be willing to realize that. That that is not the government's first interest. That we have the opportunity to worship. They have other agendas. And yet, for the sake of God's redemption purposes, Jesus submitted himself to Jewish and Roman injustices. And as members of God's family, we want to build up one another in following Jesus by giving ourselves for the needs of others, yielding our rights, even being taken advantage of at times, if that's what it comes to, for the sake of others. But what about the current protests, riots and looting in the street? How does this apply to that? Well, recent events remind us that government authorities are not always good. They can be guilty of evil and corruption, whether it's the head of the FBI or a local police officer. And the sting of it can be damaging or deadly. The public rage and response that is also not subject to government will only decrease public safety. In American history, mobs have not been a reliable means of justice. Christians can and should help government to govern better. We are to be salt and light in the midst of our community. But be careful of the narrative or the agenda in which you align yourself with. For instance, don't, loop, don't lump looters and protesters together into one pile. And don't lump individual police officers who have acted unjustly and oppressively into condemning all police and government or society as a whole. To put that another way, all police officers are broken, infallible sinners just like all the rest of us and no more than all the rest of us. And they are not all racist. Police do need to police their own ranks because all of us need police that we can trust. Let the brokenness that we can see evident in government around us point to our need for a good king, Jesus. This is not to ignore or paper over present issues, but it is also not to ignore the deeper and greater issue of human depravity, human fallenness, human sinfulness, which fuels all of these present issues. To seek resolutions to racism or injustice without God's reconciliation and forgiveness being part of that mix is futile. But as Christians, we know a better kingdom. We know a good king. 
And we know a born-again humanity that's given a new heart to love our neighbors as ourselves. So, you want to know my political opinion? What we need is not a better president, not a different governor. What we need is a good king. There is only one, but the good news is he is coming. So until then, live out that new life of his kingdom in the midst of this brokenness as Jesus' light in the midst of darkness. And let us in the church help one another to be better followers of Jesus for the sake of going to others around us and inviting them also into God's family. I've asked John Palm, one of our elders, if he would now lead us in prayer. Thanks, John. Father, today we've studied your word about being citizens of our human kingdoms, our human government areas here on earth. And you've, you've also taught us about what we should be as citizens of your heavenly kingdom. Would you give us wisdom in these days to behave in a way that really shows our citizenship in your kingdom and that Christians and non-Christians alike can see you working through us and living through us. Father, our country needs your touch in such a strong way. We have dramatic unemployment, Father. We have a pandemic that has taken tens of thousands before their time. We have demonstrations across the country of concern over civil rights and issues of justice. Lord, if there was ever a time when our human leaders in government need wisdom, it's now. Would you give Eileen Quirin and her uh, Clark County folks extra wisdom just now as they work on these things? And Governor Inslee, as he manages our state and its attempt to uh, reopen after the virus. And Father, on our federal level, we have the representatives, we have the senators, we have the president and all the people who work in his departments. Lord, they need your wisdom. They need your guidance. Would you give us wisdom in how to interact with them and how to support them so that they can do a good thing on earth. Father, we present our country to you today and ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.